if God is leading you towards something that you feel like, okay, I can't do it. Well, I would say you can, but he can. This is the Relentless Pursuit Podcast, where we hear stories from cross-cultural workers on what it's really like to be a missionary, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Hi, so today we have a really special guest. She's a little different than our usual uh, guest here on Relentless Pursuit in that, number one, she is not from the U.S. She is actually from Finland, and she is with one of our pioneers, Europe bases. She's also working in Europe in a Muslim-majority nation, um, and she is doing pro-life ministry alongside ministries of church planting and discipleship and evangelism. Yeah, so this is unusual because it probably breaks a lot of the stereotypes of what we expect missions to look like, both in the on-the-ground ministry, in the location, and also the person. But that's the amazing thing about Pioneers is we're we're a mix of people and places and opportunities. So one of the first um, things that we talk about with Hannah is just asking her a story that she can tell us about what ministry actually looks like on the ground where she's serving in Europe. One local lady um, who reached out to us, uh, she was pregnant and she was actually pregnant for a married guy. And the guy said, like, okay, I don't want to do anything with the baby or you anymore. But she was really like struggling, like, okay, can I keep this baby by myself? And we just wanted to support her. We asked, like, we listened to her story. We asked her, like, okay, how can we support you? What is your need? And she was mostly just like wanted someone to listen to her and support her, mm. someone to be there for her. So we were there for her. And then little by little, she started to uh, share about her family background. Uh, she was living on that time with her father and brother. And the brother was really violent. Uh, he even pushed her once while she was pregnant, the way that she could have miscarriage. Thank God she didn't have, uh, but that was just something so heartbreaking for us that we were praying a lot for this lady and for the baby to survive. And God was really like showing us that it's not a good thing for her to stay in that house. So we started to talk with her like, okay, would you be up for moving out from that house to be safe? And and then she was like, yeah, I really think that I and my baby are not saved, uh, safe in here in this house because of the violent brother and actually violent sister too. And so we started to pray uh, apartment for her, and it was it was really difficult to find apartment uh, for for mom and and little baby. And uh, but God answered to our prayers, and finally we found one apartment. And the landlord was like, "Yeah, of course you can move here, and it will be okay." But then uh, the woman said that, "Okay." I don't have money to pay the first month rent. And yeah, we had the money in our account. So we we just paid that first month rent and, oh. and wanted to bless her that way, wanted to bless the new life. And yeah, uh, she moved to that apartment. Uh, she has amazing little baby boy and 
it has been such a blessing to see how good mother she is. She is like so loving, so caring mm-hmm. and everything that you can't even imagine like mother in that kind of situation where like the father of the baby doesn't want to be involved and and like the rest of the family is like abusing and those kind of things and she's just loving her her baby boy and we have been there for her supporting her and it's we are just praising god from from that new life and from the story of hers mm. wow that's amazing uh, i'm so curious like how did you even get connected with this lady yeah so this lady uh came uh to us through internet so we have like a oh, wow. platform in in internet and she found us i think it was like by googling and just searching some help for the situation uh and making a decision and yeah so our web pages came up and then she found our phone number and called to us and asked like okay can you help me in this situation Wow. So are you one of like the first people that like maybe would pick up that phone if she like called? Uh, so my local colleague is the one who mm-hmm. is usually picking up the phone calls because wow, of the language and, also- and culture. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course, man, she must get all sorts of crazy phone calls from people <laughs> yeah, like that. I think, yeah, she does. And even more crazier like messages. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Is this lady... Uh, was she a believer or is she a believer now or like no, does she know no. that you guys are a religious organization or uh she she was not believer she's from muslim background and um uh yeah jesus has just opened our opportunities to share about him and telling like how god answered that uh prayer request about the apartment and everything and so we're just telling telling her what God is doing also in her life. Yeah. How does she respond to that sort of thing? Uh, she has been thankful, yeah, for mm-hmm. the prayers, for the help. Uh, she hasn't been super open for like, yeah, sure. I want to hear more. But but yeah, thankful. <laughs> yeah. It definitely I mean, sounds like just... you've, sorry about that. Sounds like you're, yeah. you're building a bridge though for sharing the gospel. You know, there's a credibility because you've cared for her in her moment of need. Yeah. And we are we are always like open kind of like saying when ladies are sharing about like the difficulties, we do say like, okay, we will pray for you. We are never like leaving women in that situation kind of like in emptiness. We are always saying like that. And then afterwards, like it depends like how God answers, then we can kind of like come back to that like okay we prayed for that that's great yeah i I mean i feel like that requires so much delicacy right because obviously people are in a very you know difficult situation you don't like want to take advantage of them or like start peppering them you know with like bible verses when they're like you know in this like really stressful situation yet at the same time like looking for opportunities to pray for them to share the love of christ with them i mean that's i think that must require just so much wisdom and grace in your situation so that's really cool can you tell us a little bit about your journey to end up in europe doing this this unique ministry there yeah so 
yeah, so I am originally from Europe, from Finland. And um, so I actually traveled uh, almost 10 years ago in this area of Europe, just like several countries with my friend. It was my summer vacation. And and then we visited uh, this country where I'm now. And I just felt that God was really speaking to my heart, like, okay, there is something very special in this mm-hmm. in this country, in this area, where God wants to do something, and that there are people who don't know Him. There is a lot of people who don't know Him. So yeah, so after that trip, I started to pray for this area and kind of like searching more like okay what is like what kind of ministry is there like ministry in this area and everything and yeah it's like 10 years ago almost so it was like longer longer trip here than I expected because I was like immediately thinking like yeah I want to I want to move to that area and serve those people and share about Jesus but God had a little bit other plans first so yeah (laughs) So I was actually sent it to uh, another country uh, oh. first for for three years, and and I served there. Uh, it was really um, it was really hard time for me because I I all the time felt that I'm not I'm not in a place that I should be, and mm. it was just something that I could I couldn't even like explain how I felt that I'm I'm not in a right place. I kind of knew it that, okay, this is like some kind of period that God is preparing me for something, but I didn't know for what. And then uh, 2018, I started to ask God like, okay, so what is your plan? Like, what is the next plan for, for my life? What are the next steps? And then... Um, it was amazing. I visited uh, uh, Pioneer's web pages and just like uh, put their like uh, Muslim work or Islam something those kind of words because like Muslim Muslims have been in my heart like so long mm. time. And then uh, over there, I saw a picture and I was immediately <laughs> thinking like, okay, this picture, this is from the place that I should be. I have no idea where this picture is from, but this is the place where I belong. And oh. and then I texted to my boss saying like, okay, this is a really weird thing that I just see one picture on a web pages. And I think this is the place that God is like uh, planning to send me next. And then my boss was really open for that. And and we we started to kind of like uh search where is that picture from and then yeah God just opened opened the doors so the picture was from this Muslim area in Europe where I live now so yeah so then yeah so then I came to visit here and I heard a lot of about uh pro-life work a lot of about church planting and I was like yeah this is exactly what my heart is desiring mm. like what is the calling for me that I want to be with people? I want to be with those uh, people who don't usually have their own voice, like uh, maybe human traffic victims or these unborn uh, babies. And so then when I then I figured out that, oh, okay, so 
over here you actually are doing the pro-life ministry mm. so that was yeah that was just amazing and then just how like everyone here were so like focused on church planting and discovery making uh and it was just like yeah disciple making sorry yeah mm-hmm. how it was like just like i felt like yeah this is definitely the place where i should be yeah and then discovery uh, making i like that discovery making that should be a new <laughs> term making, yeah <laughs> <For> disciple yeah. <laughs> making <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah i mean that's totally kind of what's happening right so yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 but then yeah then it was very clear and after a year i moved here <laughs> wow. so before you were in when you were in finland your home country what what was your work what was your job there ah okay yeah so i was i studied uh, to be a social worker so i i worked with uh, mostly with teenagers and families uh, mm-hmm. the teenagers that are in kind of like a foster care situation or has just like so bad problems at home so they can't stay at home and yeah so those and then I also was uh, a youth work leader in a church. Mm -hmm. Wow so did you know that that was the kind of ministry that you wanted to do when you go when you went overseas or were you kind of like I'll do anything and then you just kind of happened to stumble on this like perfect thing that the Lord had prepared for you or like what were you kind of expecting as you were going as you were first starting out? Uh, Yeah so I I think I actually went that way first time like yeah I'm ready to do whatever is needed and serve wherever is needed but then when I when I had been like few years in that other place I started to feel like yeah it's not like God has some specific calling for me it's not just like whatever and I think it's it's a lot of like um about like how how we people are like some people are very open to do whatever serve wherever is needed and some of us are just like we get like motivated but through the work and what are the tasks Mm -hmm. that we are doing and that Mm -hmm. god has some like very special calling for us Mm -hmm. so did you think that there was a connection between what you were doing in Finland and the skills maybe that you developed as a social worker and working with young people that God could use that? Or were you just expecting you were going to have to do something else? (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I did expect being with people and using my skills and professional, uh, knowing with, with those things, but yeah, but anything else I kind of didn't expect. And also I was volunteering in Finland with a lot of um, uh, victims of human trafficking. So then I was like, yeah, I do have like this heart for for these people who don't have their own voice Mm -hmm. or no one will listen to them. And so I did know that I want to work with those people, those kind of people that, yeah, I need to be the voice for them. Right, right. So uh, you mentioned when you first went to um, the country that you're in now, you saw the pioneers, what pioneers was doing, or maybe you saw what the local um, believers were doing and you saw, oh, there's work in um, pro-life ministry and there's work in like discipleship or discovery making or church planting. So how do those two things like come together? I mean, those are definitely not two things that you would normally pair for a ministry, right? 
Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's also our question like every day to God. Like, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. how do you marry these two? Like, <laughs> we are like every day asking, we're praying a lot with my team to understand better what is like God's plan, how to put these two, two things together. And so there has been pro-life work uh maybe six, seven years or something, but it has been more like project earlier. And now from last year, uh, it has been a real like pioneers team that we are doing the pro-life work and and the uh, church planting movement. Yeah, so then, mm-hmm. yeah, so that's the reason why we are kind of in the beginning as a team asking God like, okay, show us more how this will look like. But we do believe that uh, through that, that we are sharing, uh, that we are praying for the ladies, we are Mm. uh, sharing about Jesus when there are opportunities. Uh, We don't know what God will do through those. Of course, we Mm. are like, yeah, praying that, okay, maybe one of our clients will be the uh, one who's, a heart is open for Jesus and then she wants to start reading Bible with us and yeah, sharing herself to others, mm-hmm. what God has been doing in her life and and what he has what she has learned about Jesus and those kind of things. So we're just kind of like waiting how this will look like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, we'll definitely be praying that there's more opportunities for that and that there'll be greater openness to the gospel there. So what are what are people like in general? I mean, obviously there's specifically this woman, but like what are the local people like in terms of just knowing that you're a Christian and knowing that, you know, you're doing this kind of work? Uh, so the uh, most of the people in this area are Muslims. And I would say... Um, People mainly, um, they either respect what we are doing when we are sharing, mm. like how we are supporting women and and especially women in with unplanned pregnancies. Um, but then also because like we are in Europe where, where there are all these uh, influences that are like, more like uh, pro women, and then they mm-hmm. don't want to like mm-hmm. listen to us. So there are two kind of sides, but I would say like most of the people do uh, value life, and they do mm-hmm. respect what we are doing. So I would say like people mostly do say like, "Wow, that's that's really important work," and then they're just amazed like, "Why did you come here <laughs> to do this and serve uh-huh. like my my people here?" Yeah. Right. So what do you say when people ask you that? <laughs> yeah, well, it depends about the uh, time. If if I have more time, I will share my story, how, mm-hmm. how was I, what I shared with you, uh, like, yeah, 10 years ago, how, how God already, like, gave this country to my heart and this area and these people. And if there is just, like, short uh, time, like, one sentence, then I just usually say something like, yeah, I really felt that God has... Let me hear to love your people and share his love. And it doesn't matter if they're Muslim or some other religion, that's that resonates with them. I mean, they want 
it it causes them to want you to be there. Yeah, yeah. And they are like, yeah, because like we are just like, of course, first talking about like God, not immediately right. like about Jesus. Mm -hmm. So then they're like more like uh, open for that. And then, but of course, I will share when I have opportunity more about Jesus too. Right. Now, the first two years that you were in your the country you're living right now, you were doing language learning, culture learning, understanding what the needs were and what the opportunities were. How has that prepared you for what you're doing right now? Uh, it has been really important. <laughs> like, I, I just think always like, yeah, why didn't I use even more time to focus on language and culture? Uh, why did I do other stuff than like studying more language or yeah, because I really feel like every day I need all the information, all the, like what I, what I have learned and yeah, I have, I learn like every day more and more. And I'm, I just feel like that I'm not, I probably can't ever say like, okay, now I know this culture or now I know <laughs> this language. No, I'm always learning. But I think it's really important that you have that special two years to just concentrate on the language and the culture because like you can't, yeah, you can't just go somewhere and start doing stuff without knowing why people mm -hmm. may react somehow what mm -hmm. is the background what is the history of these people what are the problems uh yeah just and then figuring out through that uh okay what is the need here how can i serve here the best way that god will be glorified right mm. was there anything during those first two years um because obviously you're european right you've been around a lot of europe before right so in my mind i would think like there wouldn't be any like really huge surprises when you move to a new country. But during those first two years, was there anything that you learned about the culture or about the needs of the people that kind of like surprised you? I think there has been a lot of those kind of things because this is yeah. really different. Like I usually want to say like, this is not Europe. Like this is something else. <laughs> yeah. Like where I'm from, that's Europe. But like where where I live, it's not Europe. <laughs> yeah. Very so, different. Right. Yeah. But I think like for me, it was really like positive way, really surprising how warm people are. Mm. Like how like how supporting with my language. <laughs> like people are always like, if I say like two sentences, they're like, oh, you speak our language. <laughs> and, and yeah, so those kind of like uh, just experiences with people were, yeah, I learned a lot like through those. Yeah. Mm, that's awesome. Um, do you stick out? Do you think like do, when people see you, do they know that you're not a local? Um. I don't know. Like, I think when I start speaking many times, then they do. Like, maybe not with the two sentences, but then when mm -hmm. I talk more, then I, of course, do the mistakes and then they figure out. But my, uh, my like, local friends are always saying, like, my, that my accent is very, like, local. <laughs> so mm, that you can, nice. like, hear that way, that immediately. And, yeah. yeah. And, yeah, I think I, yeah, I look like kind of like that I'm probably not uh, 
originally from here, but of course, like it's like there is a lot of mixed people's sure. people groups right. and everything. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, you don't just have to deal with the culture of the local people around you, but you also have to deal with cross-cultural issues within your own team, because I'm sure our listeners can tell, right? But your accent is not American. You are not American, but you work with Americans, right? And you work with an organization that sends a lot of people from the U.S. So what has that been like? Well, it has been really interesting. Uh it hasn't been easy. I need to tell you that it's really hard sure. to like try to. So in my team, uh, there is like me from Finland, then my colleagues uh, from States. And then also uh, we have local teammate. And so then like three different backgrounds, background countries, cultures, languages, everything. So the communication is really important and it has been hard and we are still learning how to communicate better to understand to understand each other because it's not just the language it's also kind of like okay what do i really mean when i'm saying this and like i would say like uh, as a finnish person we are very direct we are saying like mm-hmm. how the thing is and american way is way more polite and so then kind of like, okay, how can I say this to be polite enough, but still make clear that this is my opinion. Yeah. 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 And That's then so of interesting. Course, yeah. Yeah. And then of Sorry, course, like respect the local team member because like she then has the best knowledge of this culture where we are like serving. So, yeah. So it's really, it's hard, but it's also really interesting and really encouraging like, yeah, to see how, yeah, how God is like putting us together and using our gifts. That's got to be amazing to have someone on your team who's serving alongside you, who's also local to the culture you're serving, who can kind of help you understand when you're making mistakes or what opportunities there might be or ways that you can present yourselves and your ministry in a way that's um, acceptable to people and that draws people in. Yeah, I think it's like, I would not want to work anymore without like local teammate. Yeah, just because like, okay, it's like every day almost that I need to ask her like, okay, how would you, yeah, how would you say this thing in your language? Or what do you think about this? Can I can I say this thing to someone? Or is it like rude? Or is it like, how would I say that it's polite enough? And just like, okay, is this common in your culture? A lot of things. Yeah. 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 I think that's so funny that you're talking about because I think Americans generally pride themselves on being pretty like direct communicators. So it's kind of funny that like you're like even further on that spectrum, you know, as compared to like from and there's like Asians and then there's Americans and then there's like this whole other level of like Northern Europeans, right? Um, so that I think that's really kind of interesting <laughs> to see how that's kind of come to play in your guys's team. I think yeah. that. Um, one of the perceptions, if we can kind of go back to the topic of the the pro-life ministry, um, one of the perceptions is that your goal is just to make sure that women don't have abortions. But what I'm hearing from you is that you're, you're also trying to help them with their needs and their family's needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and that 
ultimately the women you're working with want to have babies, but often there are these circumstances around them that are up against, that they're up against, that just make it impossible. Um, and you're helping them resolve some of those situations along, along with their, their families. Um, so what, what are the types of care that you're providing for women and their families and even probably even extended family to help make it possible for them to keep a baby? So it depends a lot about the uh, need <laughs> and needs. Um, yeah, I would say the most important usually is that there is just someone to listen to these women. Because like if they're on that kind of situation where they really feel that I'm lonely, I'm alone in this situation, no one is supporting me anyway, and I don't know what to do. So then we are there for these women to like just, okay, we want to listen your story. We want to listen uh, what do you think about keeping the baby? Why would it be hard? Why would it? Why would it be like not good thing for your life and then just trying to like help them to see also like the bright sides and the blessing of new life and and then really kind of like okay asking uh how can we support you and what are the needs so then the next i would say after that next need is is usually the financial need uh mm. we are living kind of poor area and so um yeah all that kind of need just like how I mentioned like okay we just paid that one month rent and then like we buy diapers or we give like uh baby clothes what we get as a donations to to our um association so then we can give those um and just like um I think also kind of like the way that we want to support families too is that okay we don't want to work only for this woman if there is like family if there is husband or like boyfriend other kids we want to be part of the whole family uh family's life and also sharing just like kind of like educational stuff uh like knowledge about things uh we may help like um paper stuff uh, there is a lot of bureaucracy here, so we may mm. like help with those things, uh, how they can register their new babies and and how they can get uh, support, financial support from from the um, government and those kind of things. So we just try to be there wherever it's needed. And if we don't know something, we also have contacts. We have one doctor, especially. Um, who is very pro-life pro minded. So we're then using his services and we also have have other uh, professionals who are willing to help us if needed. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool that you're also connected to like other locals and other professionals in your area. It's not just you guys doing it all on your own. You also kind of have a little bit of like a, almost like a, like a team that's outside of your team a little bit. Yeah, and I think it's really important because, of course, okay, in my team, we don't have any doctors, so it's not okay right. for us to start start sh like sharing some like 
medical <laughs> stuff or mm-hmm. like telling like, yeah, so you should do this or not do this. Like if it's, yeah, something that actually only the doctor can say. Right. Now your, your work there is just one example of how meeting practical needs for people um, can provide an opportunity to make disciples and to, to do church planting, which of course is at the heart of what Pioneers is all about. So can you talk a little bit about how you bridge that connection between caring for these vulnerable women and then making disciples and, and planting churches and what that looks like from your team's standpoint? Yeah, so I think uh, the most important things for us is that uh, we are disciples of Jesus and we take care of like our own relationship with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And then like we pray a lot uh, just uh, by ourselves, but also as a team. So we have um, these special prayer hours. uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, that we are just like praying by name, name by name for our like contacts, our clients, all mm-hmm. the people that we know in this area to God to open their hearts uh, towards Jesus. And then like we are spending a lot of time with, uh, with people who don't know Jesus yet uh, and just sharing little bit about Jesus, little bit something that they can kind of like then uh, react, ask more. Uh, yeah. And then some stories are, are the ones that, that, okay, these people actually are open for mm-hmm. Jesus. And yeah. And then we can ask them to read Bible with us. Uh, yeah. Share. They can, after that, share about their, what they have learned about about Jesus and those kind of things. And then going more and more uh, towards that, that they will uh, accept Jesus as their Mm. savior. And I think it's really important to show our clients that love that comes from God, that because we know that we don't want to love these these ladies from our own flesh. Yeah, it's like they they have so like hard life stories that it's just impossible if we wouldn't have like that love that God gives us. And mm-hmm. I think that's really uh, actually easy way to share about Jesus because like many times these women are like, okay, so why are you helping me? Like, mm-hmm. especially like you foreigners, like, why are you helping me? My own country, my own government is not supporting me. So why are you doing that? And then we get opportunities to share about God's love towards them and, and their babies and their families. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you, is there anyone like specific that you can share um, about with us that maybe kind of they did show more openness? You were able to kind of start um, sharing more specifically doing Bible studies and all that sort of thing. Is there anyone like that specifically that you can talk about? Uh, yeah, well, I can. Yeah, I think I can. I can share one story. Um, this is this is kind of lately um, happened thing. Um, so this uh, young lady from uh, she's not actually living in the same same town where where my team is serving, but uh, our colleague from other town reached out us and asked like, okay, uh, I have met this one young lady and I have been sharing about Jesus to her and now she told that she's pregnant and mm. 
and she's very abortion-minded. And so what can I say to her? How can I support her to keep the baby and just be there for her? And so we helped our colleague a little bit. Okay, these are things that you can share with this lady and this young woman. And you can ask these questions and, yeah, just show the love of of God to her. And so then um, this actually went the way that uh, this young lady already had appointments to the doctor and to make an abortion. And so... We were praying a lot uh, that she would not do that. Uh, and I was actually prayer walking with my teammate during during that day when she had that appointment for the um, for the abortion. Uh, we were praying prayer walking and I heard uh, the call of prayer uh, for Muslims. And at the same time, I got a message to my phone and and. I, sh- I I saw that um, our colleagues sent a message like, okay, so this young woman went to the doctor, but the doctor said something like, yeah, I can't do the uh, abortion today. You need to come back on Monday. And that was Friday. So I was immediately like, okay, God just gave us the whole weekend to pray more. Yeah. And so <laughs> we did pray during the weekend and and then... On Monday, we got a message from our colleague that, okay, this young lady decided during the weekend that she's not making the abortion. And so then this, our colleague in that other town, she has been, we have been just encouraging her and telling her like, okay, how can you support? What should you share with, with her? But she has been also sharing a lot of about Jesus and, and a lot of like Bible stories. And, and this young lady has been really uh, excited about, about these Mm -hmm. stories and Bible and really wanting to uh, read more with, with her. So now they're, now they're trying to meet like weekly and, and yeah. She will That's amazing. share something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's so cool to hear a story where you're not really the one doing the persuading. <laughs> you know, it's it's the Holy Spirit at work. You're praying and you're you're doing the things that you can do, but ultimately it's in the hands of God. And um, the fact that he intervened and in a way that you couldn't have, you didn't even have, you know, you weren't even in a place where you could do that. And he was able to do that for you. That's, that's just so amazing. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. those stories actually are like most encouraging ones for us where where we mm. can see like okay it was nothing to do what we said or did right. like it's totally like holy spirit who did this all and like there was once there was like um one uh, young student from other town who reached out us uh she just told like okay i'm pregnant i don't know what to do i probably want to make an abortion because i'm just a student i don't know like how could i handle this mm-hmm. and and our my local colleague uh she just like talked with the girl like listened to her and encouraged her uh shared a little bit about like okay uh, these are the things if you keep, if you decide to keep the baby, yeah, you will get this kind of like uh, financial support and those kind of things. And then just like, okay, saying like, okay, we will be praying for you and you can, you can call us back. We never heard about 
from her and then we were just praying like every week we were praying for her and we were kind of like okay she probably made an abortion because we haven't heard about her and mm-hmm. then after like several several months like maybe seven eight months something uh we got message from her and she was just like writing us like yeah I just wanted to uh thank you so much from that goal that I had with you and it was really encouraging and and then like after that uh I I just felt that I can't make an abortion and I really felt that I wanna I wanna have this baby Mm. and yeah so she told that she had a baby boy and she's really blessed to be a mom So Mm -hmm. it's really like, okay, so it was only like one phone call and then like several months of praying. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that not every story has a happy ending like that one and like the other ones um, you've you've told us. Are there any that have been really challenging for you that have you've really had to grieve and and go to God because the story didn't turn out the way that you prayed it would? Yeah, there are those stories too. Um, One that is, it's kind of like all the time going on uh, story. There is um, one um, young woman um, who actually decided to keep the baby. And um, we were supporting her during the pregnancy. We helped her after she delivered the baby and everything and then uh, after some months of being a mom, she started to use drugs. And mm. so now the situation is more like, okay, so she's she has like times when she doesn't use anything, but she mostly is using drugs. And then like, uh, we're just like grieving like, okay, how is the baby? How is the daughter? And we have heard that uh, we have connection also to um, this uh, young woman's mother. So now like the grandma is taking care of the uh, daughter Mm -hmm. and yeah, but it's really sad. And we just heard like some weeks ago that this young woman is pregnant again. And we're just like, yeah, it, it feels so heartbreaking when you're like, okay, we know that God has given this life and and also well for the baby but also for her and and she's just like destroying it through drugs and yeah so yeah wow yeah that's that's heavy that's i mean i think what you were saying earlier about how in the end it wasn't you that was doing stuff, right? You were just you were just praying and leaving it to God. I kind of wonder, like, is that all you can do, right? In these sorts of situations, is just as you said, it's a gift from the Lord, and just depend on Him to do what He knows is best with those gifts as well. Um, yeah, but yeah. How do yeah. you when when you're kind of going through those kinds of situations? I mean, what do y'all? Obviously, you pray. But what do you all also do just to kind of like stay healthy and positive and continue to do these kinds of ministries? Yeah, I think that's the one thing which is really important that we are a team. Because I couldn't be alone in this ministry. Like, yeah, I would not survive. 
So it's really important that we are a team. We can we we share these like uh, situations. We share uh, how the yeah what we feel that God is speaking to us. Uh, how we see these situations, and the most important is that we are not just like we don't stop praying. We just continue mm-hmm. praying, and we we believe that yeah. We have Almighty God, so He can do whatever. That's great. Yeah. I think that a lot of people probably hearing these stories from you, Hannah, might think, "Well, I could never do that." You know, this is not anything that that I God would ever call me to do. It's it's a challenging thing. What would you say to somebody who thinks that? Well. <laughs> I can say that I think so too about myself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it's just, yeah, it's kind of the thing what people usually think missionaries too. Like, yeah, I could never do that. You are so brave. Well, I'm not brave. I don't have all the skills needed for this ministry. I a lot of time uh, make mistakes. Uh, This is many times, this is too hard for me. But I just feel that God has called me for this and he provides he provides all the all the gifts all the strength that is needed and he's the one whose this ministry is it's not in our hands so I think if if God is leading you towards something that you feel like okay I can't do it well I would say you can't but he can Mm. That's a great word. Yes, thank you. Oh, God. Thank you. Well, one of the things we do to help people understand that you are a human being, just like us, <laughs> just like them. Uh, missionaries aren't superheroes. They are just people who said yes to God and who he is empowering in their task. One of the things we do is we ask some quick fire questions that kind of help our listeners get a peek for what your life is like and what your passions are all about and what your Um, who you are as a person. So we're just going to run through a few of these questions and you don't have to think too hard about them, Hannah. Just give us your um, gut level response to these questions. And we're going to start easy and it might get a little bit more tough toward the end. Um, Most cultures are either coffee cultures or tea cultures. Um, What are you? Are you a coffee person or a tea person? Definitely coffee person. Definitely coffee. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Now, are you in a coffee culture? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's good then. That's good then. Yeah. Um, are you an early bird or a night owl? Early bird. Early bird. Okay. And then if you are up late, what is your go-to late night snack? <laughs> um, some fruit. Fruit. Oh, you're healthy. Okay. <laughs> so healthy. Yeah. How about um, winter, spring, summer, or fall? Which one is your favorite? Spring. Spring, yeah. And if you are um, traveling somewhere, which many missionaries do, are you picking a window seat or an aisle seat? Window seat. Window seat, okay. How about um, what's your most, your must pack item? What's got to be in your bag if nothing else makes it in your bag? Up. Oh, <laughs> I was thinking passport. Of well, course. yes. Okay. That's a given because you can't go yeah, anywhere without yeah, that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But I would say uh, something to read. Yeah. What What would you, what What are some of your things you like to read? Uh, 
Well, usually when I come back from Finland, if I'm visiting there, then I will just buy from the airport some like uh, magazine in Finnish. Yeah. In so Finnish, then I yeah. can like read that. Because <laughs> you can't find anything in Finnish where you're at probably. No, so. I can't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what is your favorite local food where you're at? Um, I really love uh, different kind of like um, uh, pies. Oh, they have yeah. like savory pies. Those oh, are really? really good. Okay. Like with meat in them or vegetables and things? Uh they have like meat ones, they yeah. have cheese ones, okay. spinach ones, <laughs> whatever. Oh, that sounds good. Oh, nice. Yeah. If you had one talent that you don't have, what what would it be? Like what's the talent you wish you had? Oh um well, I would say Probably um, faster to learn languages. Oh, faster to learn languages, yes. <laughs> good one. Yeah, Very good that's, one. That's, that's probably everybody would say that. It feels like a superpower, I think, for some of us. Yeah. Um, what What is a missed comfort that that's from home in Finland that you miss? Uh, I think uh, rye bread. Rye bread, okay. It's a very special one. Yeah. 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 Huh. You you also have some strange fish dishes, right? Like some unusual pickled type fish. Is that something that they have in Finland? Um I yeah. might be thinking of some yeah. of the other countries around there. But... We do have, but it's I would say it's more like Swedish, but oh, okay. because it's like neighbor country, of course, it's also for yeah. us. But yeah, we do have Yeah. Yeah. Rye bread. Wow, I'm gonna remember that if I ever go to Finland. I have yeah. to try and get some of the rye bread. Definitely. Um, what is, what's the strangest tradition that you've witnessed where you're living now? Is anything strange that you then maybe later on figured out why it was so important? Oi, oi, that's hard. Um, and you can say pass if you want to, we'll give you, we'll give you a pass if you want. Yeah, yeah. I will pass. This will okay. take a long time to take. <laughs> okay, yeah. How about? Can you remember any like language mishap that you've had that was that was kind of funny? <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I was actually uh, in very beginning. I was going to cafe, and uh, so then I accidentally. I don't know why I was even ordering tea because I never drink tea. I always drink coffee, but somehow it just felt like, okay, I want to have some tea. So then um, I remembered the word for like honey so that I want to have tea with honey. And then I said that the waiter was like looking me like, what? (laughs) And and then like, (laughs) then... Yeah, he turned starting to speak English to me, asking, do you really want to have tea and uh, meat? And I was like, oops, there is only like little difference with like yeah. honey and meat in the local language. <laughs> yeah. So nice, I was asking, nice. can I have tea with, with meat? Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. So you you speak Finnish, obviously speak English. Is this your third language that you're on right now? Uh, this is. Well, we also do, we study Swedish in Finland uh-huh. at school. Oh. So I do, I do know it. Yeah, I can understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then um, I have also lived in Estonia. 
And mm-hmm. so I have catched that language. And then there is another language too, where I lived before oh my gosh. this country. So <laughs> yeah, but of course they're not all active. So I can't mm-hmm. like, so this is like my life that I'm, I'm mixing like uh, this local language, English and Finnish every day because I'm using those languages every day, some, some way. And then like, sometimes I start to uh, speak to my team in Finnish and then they're just <laughs> staring at me like we have no idea what you are saying no. <laughs> <laughs> nice that's good uh, two more questions what did you want to be when you were a kid ah uh, uh, yeah I wanted to um, be a teacher mm-hmm. or I wanted to uh, just like I don't know uh take care of horses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And quickly, is there like something you can think of that's been the hardest challenge that you faced in your work? Um, I think the hardest thing is that uh, we don't see like so many results as we would mm. love to see. Right. And it's always like, the struggle to like, okay, we just need to trust God that this is his work and he's giving the fruit when it's his timing. Amen. That's a good word. It's his work. He gives the fruit in his timing. Really, really good thing to remember. Well, thank you so much, Hannah, for spending time with us today. It's been great talking to you and um, just grateful. Thank you. <laughs> it was privileged to be together with you. Hey, if you enjoyed listening to stories from Hannah, be sure to check out our show notes where we have an actual bonus story from her that talks about how God provided a way for a pregnant woman to have an income so she could keep her baby. So I'm really thankful just to hear Hannah's story today, um, Mm -hmm. just to hear about her ministry. I think one of the things that really I kind of picked up on as she was talking was just that oftentimes there is not like real visible fruit to their ministry, right? I mean, obviously the ministry of reaching out to these women who um, do decide to keep their babies and do decide to, you know, kind of pursue, um, you know, some Bible studies or even just like relationships with these women. That's really, really awesome. But in terms of like the sort of more like classic, like they're not like planting churches everywhere. They're not having Mm -hmm. like, you know, a new person come to Jesus, you know, every other day or anything like that. But they are just really faithfully continuing to love these women and just really depend on the power of the Lord and trust that he does have a plan for them. And so I think that faithfulness to that calling really comes out so clearly in Hannah's story. And so I was just really so blessed to be able to hear that today. Yeah, me too. I think it's clear that it's really a long game, Mm. that ministry, church planting, making disciples among the unreached is not something that happens overnight. It requires, as Eugene Peterson said, a long obedience in the same direction. And that over time, you see examples and stories that she'll, you know, that she told us yeah. about um, how the Holy Spirit is working in the lives of people, and so so much of what they're doing is praying, undergirding all their work with prayer, and then trusting God to bring the fruit. And I think that's the case everywhere. It's mm. just that there are some places that are further along where there's been more work over the years that then are now bearing fruit, and people are 
reaping a harvest that someone else sowed. But clearly where she's at, it's it's a long game. Yeah. And and so it requires people that have a lot of patience and willingness to trust God with results when there's not as much visibly happening. Yeah. And and I think that was a real takeaway for me from from Hannah's story. Yeah. I love how she also shared though that little small bits and pieces every now and again god right. does show like he is working you know right. it's it's definitely there's there's movement so that's just so encouraging yeah and i think that's what you know as we talk to people um on this podcast and we will have more people to talk to from this part of the world from europe i think we'll discover that that is the case in europe it's not an easy place to work although it might be closer culturally and in terms of of conveniences and technology to those of us who live in in the Western world, there are still, from a spiritual standpoint, a lot of obstacles and challenges that our teams there face. So right. if you're interested in exploring more, I would encourage you to check out our show notes. Um, we've got links to photo essays. Um, a great article, I think, that kind of taps into these challenges, is Europe unreached? Um, because I think a lot of people, when they think of missions, they don't think of Europe, they think of other parts of the world. So there's an article on that, um, as well as some videos and, um, and, and even some content about media and how uh, teams are using media to find people that are spiritually seeking mm-hmm. in places like Europe. And that's exactly what, what Hannah talked about in the episode is, is some of the leads and some of the clients that they came upon were people that were searching for answers online and found their resources. So I encourage you to check out our show notes and, and find out more about what we're doing in Europe. Thanks for following us on this episode of the Relentless Pursuit podcast. Our goal is to make missions accessible to show that it's not just reserved for elite super Christians. If you want to be involved, just go to pioneers.org start and answer a few questions. We have a team who would love to help you discern your calling and what your next steps might be. At Pioneers, we love to partner with local churches and send teams to people groups with little or no access to the gospel. Keep up with what God is doing by following us on Instagram, Facebook, X, and YouTube, all at Pioneers USA, one word, or visit pioneers.org. Thanks for listening.